Again, thank you for your singing this morning, and if you will, take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, as we will conclude this chapter that we have spent several weeks on already, and this concludes the second of three chapters on Israelology, the doctrine of Israel, at least as it is yet to happen. As we have looked at this, there's no doubt been the uh, news reports that you have seen throughout the weeks where Israel and Iran are, are going at it at constant odds with one another. But one thing that really stood out to me was the number of Christians who have Christian organizations, biblical Christian organizations, that support the nation of Israel. And I can list many of them. Some of you receive Israel My Glory. Some of you uh, know of aerial ministry. Some of you know of chosen people ministries. And on and on and on we go of all of these solid evangelical outreaches to Israel. But did you know that that has not been the trend of history? The trend of history has been where the church has turned its back on the people of Israel. And many Jews feel as if the, the church blames them for Christ killers. As we come before this passage today, the idea that the Gentiles are to take the gospel to the Jews is very clearly seen. We usually see this passage in light of missions, reaching out to the world around us, sharing the gospel. How will they know unless they have a preacher, and how will they have a preacher unless he is sent? And so we use it to send our missionaries out into the other parts of the world. But Paul's emphasis is that we would be evangelizing the Jew, sharing the gospel with Israel. Because God is not yet done with them. And it all goes back to the theme which we started a chapter ago, almost two chapters now, in that God is faithful to His promises. And if God is faithful to His promises, then He must fulfill them for Israel. In order for you and I to have confidence in our salvation, God must fulfill them in Israel. Today we'll see how He's doing that. And you and I have the privilege of being a part of it. And so as we prepare for uh, Romans chapter 10... The idea that I want us to focus on is this. The role of Gentile believers is to take the gospel spoken, not indeed in, in word, to the Jew first and to the rest of the Gentiles. You see, the gospel that is unspoken is not the gospel at all. That is not sharing the gospel message. If you never get around to sharing the gospel with your words, they'll never know it by your deeds. And so those are some of the issues we face today as we come into this passage in Romans chapter 10. And as we do so, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father, I do thank you and praise you for the privilege that we have to be instruments of yours to reach your people, to reach the chosen people who have been chosen since the Old Testament in the perfect plan of redemption that we have seen. Lord, as we consider this perfect plan of redemption, we recognize each and every step is masterfully laid out, is exactly as it ought to be. Lord, we expect nothing less from a great and mighty God. But this too gives us reason to praise your name. And so as we consider uh, the Jews, we consider Israel, we also recognize that we have a task to take the gospel with us. Lord, we praise you that we have the gospel, that we can take it with our words, that we can share the truth of what happened to the Messiah Jesus that was promised in the Old Testament, that was laid out in the New Testament as our sacrificial lamb and risen again. Lord, truly worthy is the Lamb. And we give you the glory and the honor for the privilege of being called followers of Jesus. Lord, as we go through this passage today, give us an understanding of your word. 
May your spirit speak through me in such a way that it changes our hearts and our lives, that we will never be the same again because of the truth that's found therein. Lord, we do love you and thank you for it. In your son's name we pray. Amen. This morning we engage the apostle's heart one more time in this chapter. And all through this chapter we have seen the apostle's heart. At the very start, Paul says, My heart's desire is that they may know the gospel. Paul's heart is that the people of Israel will come to know Jesus as Savior. And so as we engage the apostle's heart just one more time this morning, I sincerely hope that you have started to develop the spiritual humility that Paul is demonstrating in this chapter. If you gain nothing else, gain some understanding that God is not done with Israel, and gain some understanding that Paul had a spiritual humility that you and I must have. These are people who have beaten him, scorned him, mocked him, put him on a ship that was shipwrecked, jailed him, and abused him. And yet these are the people that Paul wants to see come to know to Christ as Savior. I hope you have developed this spiritual humility as we have looked at Paul's character. As we conclude chapter 10 this morning, we find an Israel that has rejected the Messiah. But the question that Paul asks, the overarching question is, did they know any better? Did they know that they were rejecting the Messiah? And so we're going to look through some of the truths of that as we First, look at this aspect as we proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. You see, this is the passage that we use usually use in the mission setting. Now, how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach without being sent? And so we recognize that there is some uh, missions mind here. Paul is encouraging the Gentiles to get out and to proclaim the message specifically to the Jew. Of course, we know that the Great Commission takes us into all the world. But Paul here, the context, is bringing us back to the Israelite world. But in order to do that, we must understand a few things about Israel. And the first is that Israel is willful in their disobedience. They willfully rejected Christ. They knew better, and yet they rejected Him. And then we will also see Israel's response. Israel's response, and there are four responses. Not all of them are Israel's, but three of them are. Three of the four. And we will see those as we get to it in just a moment. But... Romans chapter 10, beginning in verses 14 and 15, the Scripture says, How then will they call on Him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Now there are two ways we usually take this somewhat out of context. as at least a secondary application. And I'm going to mention those, and that's going to be the last time I mention them. Because I want us to look at the primary application, the primary reason for this passage. The secondary application is we say, well, the, uh, those who share the gospel message, there is good news, and blessed are the feet of those who do so. Praise the Lord for the evangelist. Absolutely. But Paul's emphasis is to Israel. And he's quoting from Isaiah. And so we want to recognize the primary application in that respect. The secondary one we've already mentioned, and that is uh, we send them, use this as a, an instrument, a tool to build up those to get excited about missions and to send them out into the tribes of Brazil and, and Papua New Guinea. And that's great, but that's a secondary application. What's the primary application? Because the primary application is the one we want to delve into this morning. And so in order to do that, we must understand the chain. Verses 14 and 15, the first part, 
And it says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not yet believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not yet heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? They And how will they preach unless they are sent? See, before we can truly look at this chain, getting it into our mind, placing it there, we need to recognize what takes place in order for them to receive salvation. And we need to step back then to a universal claim that Paul made last week. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 of chapter 10 says, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you remember, I spent some time in this last week because Paul changes a word. He's quoting from the Old Testament, and he's already used it once in the previous chapter, in chapter 9. And there he says, And he who calls upon the name of the Lord. But when he puts it here in verse 13, he says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Paul just introduced an idea. That is radically altering to the Jewish mind. You see, the Jewish person thought that they were an exclusive group. And in a sense, they are. But they took that to the extreme and said, salvation has exclusively come to us because we are practicers of the law. However, what they forgot to understand is that the law only revealed the need for salvation, did not provide it for them. And so when the gospel comes, it comes to the Gentiles. So that Israel might become jealous. And so Paul introduces this radical understanding to the Jewish mind. And he makes a universal claim. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jew or Gentile can be saved. It doesn't matter. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And this is a powerful assertion. That in the Israelite mind was a mystery of the Old Testament. Was foreign to their understanding. The fact that anyone could receive salvation that did not fit in their box as Jews was out of their preconceived ideas and their notions about God. But now we look at a series of rhetorical how questions, and there's four of them, that form a chain of events, a series of events that lead to salvation. And in order for someone to respond to the gospel, this has to take place every single time. And it's not by works, recognize, Ephesians says. It's not by the sinner who's doing it. It is by the saint who has been saved, who is sharing the gospel. And that is all made possible because of the work of the Lord. Whoever will call, of verse 13, cannot happen without belief in Christ. Belief in Christ cannot happen without a hearing of the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ cannot be heard without a preacher. And the preacher is not there unless they are sent. And Paul is speaking specifically of Israel. And this gets right to his heart. Go back to chapter 10, verse 1. Chapter 10, verse 1. Because notice what he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is their salvation. We need to understand a simple truth, and then we must also put it into practice. People will not come to know Christ by the good things you do. I want to say that again. People will not come to know Christ by the good things you do. People will not come to know Christ because you act like a Christian in the world around. Because to them, you act like any other religious person. So, what's the difference? You all are moral people, and half the time they disagree with your morality. So you're not sharing the gospel at all. They will not come to know Christ because you are a good neighbor, a good friend, or a great co-worker. They're not going to do it. 
It might help, but they must hear the message. And you are the preacher who has been sent. And what Paul is saying in context of Romans chapter 10, verse 1, he says, my heart's desire is to reach the Jew. My heart's desire is to see them come to know Christ as Savior. But Paul knows something. Paul knows that the promises of God will be fulfilled. He knows that the Jews will come to Christ. He knows that they will have their time in the millennial kingdom. Paul knows all of this. And in understanding this, he also knows that he is an apostle to the Gentiles. And as an apostle to the Gentiles, his primary God-given responsibility is to go to the Gentiles to take the church from the Jewish culture and move it into the Gentile world. And yet Paul says, my heart's desire is for Israel. I can't do it. So who does he send? You and I. To go back to the the Jewish world. To share the gospel with them. It is amazing to me to look at these Christian ministries that I have mentioned earlier. Because many of them were started by evangelical Christians. Sharing the gospel with Jews. You know what is unfortunate with them? Most of them are now being taken over by Messianic Jews. That's great that Jews are coming to know Christ as Savior, but it's poor because the church is not doing their job. We're not going to Israel and sharing the gospel with them. In fact, there's a move in the church today to move away from Israel, to blame them for what's taking place in the Middle East, and to cause them to face the wrath of the world around them. Paul knows that God will fulfill his promises, but his heartbeat is for the Jew. If the Lord had not seen fit to send Paul, he says, will you go? Will you go? Because you need to be sent. Let's send you. Let's get you there. But in order to understand this, we have to also, we also have to, sorry, I'm moving the chain, and then Israel's lack of response. We we look here then, as Paul quotes from Isaiah 52, 7, back in Romans chapter 10, verse, uh, verse 15 now, he says, and how... Will they preach unless they are sent, just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Paul quotes from Isaiah 52, which is an incredible passage for telling the return of Israel to the fulfillment of the promised land. You see, Paul is is saying, I want you who are Gentiles to go back to the roots, to go back to the Israelites to share the gospel with them. We should share the gospel with the whole world. That's, That's besides the point. But in the process of doing so, we should start with the Jew first, as well as the Gentile world. And as he is saying that, he reminds of the, the reader of Isaiah 52. And in reminding the reader of Isaiah 52, he reminds them that the Lord is not yet done with Israel. Because the Lord is not yet done fulfilling the promise that was made to Abraham. In the context of that passage, it also reminds us that Israel is in judgment because they did not heed the word of the Lord. So not only is Israel uh, looking forward to the promise of the Messianic kingdom, but they're also looking back to the judgment because of their disobedience to the Lord. They would not repent and return. They have failed because they did not respond. Yet, as is always the case in the Lord's dealing with Israel, they will be brought back into a beautiful relationship with the Lord. And it will be the messenger who is blessed. Notice what is being said. As believing Gentiles... You can be the one who brings Isaiah 52, 7 to Israel. 
Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. You could be the Gentile who tells the Jewish person that, you know what? Jesus is the Messiah of the Old Testament. And you could be the Gentile who says in Isaiah... In fact, let's turn back to Isaiah 52 because we're going to need the, the context. Isaiah 52. I'm trying to limit the number of times we're going to be turning back to Isaiah and to other places a lot today. So Isaiah 52.7 is where we're going to start out. Isaiah 52.7. Again, I've already given you the background to the context. But I want you to look at a passage. Isaiah 52.7 says, How lovely are the mountains, on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news and announces peace, uh, who, and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, Your God reigns. You know what is amazing to me? Isaiah is writing to a Jewish audience. And yet a, Jew, a Jewish speaker would say, Our God reigns. Says to Zion, Our God reigns. Isaiah says, say to Zion, your God reigns. Isaiah is foretelling of an event to take place where the Gentiles will share the gospel with the Jew. You could be the Jew, or the Gentile who shares with the Jew and says to him, Zion, your God reigns. How beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. The good news is the gospel. In essence, this chain of events is an explanation of the various stages of evangelism. And Paul wants you and I to look to Israel as a source of our evangelism. Not the only source. We still have the Great Commission to fulfill, where we take the gospel to the ends of the earth, and we are at the ends of the earth. And yet now we can go back to where it started, go back to Israel. And that is what Paul is reminding us of the opportunity to participate in. So as we look at the proclamation of the message, we recognize there's a chain of events that has to take place. And we recognize the key one. You have to hear it. If they don't hear, then they're not going to respond. So they have to hear. And Paul's going to come back to that one in a moment. But as we continue on this morning, we look also at Israel's willful disobedience. And beginning in verse 16 of Romans chapter 10, the scripture says, However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? You see, first we have some things we need to understand about Israel. As we think about taking the gospel back to Israel, we must also recognize that Israel has already had the gospel. They've already heard it. And so Paul is, is reminding us of a few things, and he's reminding Israel of a few things. First, their voluntary rejection of the gospel. Paul addresses an anticipated issue of Israel's unbelief. And the question, how could Israel still not believe? How could they still not believe? And the word for heed is a voluntary action that requires obedience, that comes from paying attention to the message brought by the preacher. So what Paul is saying is they voluntarily chose not to obey when they did not heed. They voluntarily chose to reject and to not follow. But notice, I want to draw your attention to one word that Paul says, and it's a small word. It says, however, they did not all. What I want us to understand is, while the majority of Israel did not heed, there was some who did. And Paul reminds us of the remnant promise from chapter 9. He reminds us that there is always this faithful remnant. Many have come to know Christ as their Messiah. Many were coming to know Christ 
in Paul's day as the Messiah, yet not all of them have believed. Paul does not say that they're all out there. They all did not heed. What he's saying is not all of them did. There's few that did. There's a few who did respond in obedience. And just as in Isaiah's day, when Isaiah grieves the people's response to the the promise of Isaiah 53, Paul grieves the people's response to Isaiah 53. Over the last two weeks, we've read Isaiah 53, and so we're not going to turn there right now, but this is where Paul is quoting from. When he says this in verse 16, Lord, who has believed our report? Isaiah gives a very clear picture of the coming Messiah. And over the last two weeks, we've read it in our Scripture reading. He gives a very clear understanding that Jesus, the suffering servant, was going to be the Messiah. And yet Israel missed it. And yet Paul says some of them heeded the message. Some of them heard, but not all did. So just as in Isaiah's day, when Isaiah grieves the people's response to the incredible messianic promise of Isaiah 53, so does Paul. He grieves their response. But I want to look at this remnant for just a moment in verse 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Paul emphasizes how one should be not in the category that did not heed. Paul emphasizes how one should respond to the message of Christ. Starting with the Jew first and the Gentile, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. It is not the practice of singing hymns. It is not the life of coming to church, acting like a Christian. It is the message of Christ from the words of Christ that has the power for the listener to hear. You see, in order for the listener to hear, they have to know what they're hearing. And they have to have truth in what they're hearing. And in order for that, it must be based on the Word of God. The gospel message cannot come by your actions alone. You can't have a neighbor walking down the street in just a moment as we sing our closing hymn, and as they're walking down the street say, yes, I trust in Christ as Savior, because they don't have the truth. They've only heard a part. They need the gospel. And in order to get the gospel, in order to have the, the message of Christ, they must have it from the words of Christ. That is, the preacher has a job to preach the words of Christ. If there's ever a time I quit preaching the words of Christ, kick me to the curb. Because I failed. If there's a preacher that you're listening to who's not preaching the words of Christ, kick him to the curb. If you're not sharing the words of Christ in evangelism, then you're not doing your job and you're not doing your job. You see, it is this hearing that we must provide for the sinner. We must preach to them. Paul, again, is specifically reminding us of Israel. And so in doing so, it is this hearing that we will begin with as we consider Israel's response. Look at Israel's response with me as we Close out the chapter, beginning in verse 18. Scripture says this, But I say, surely they have never heard, have they? Indeed they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, and the words to the ends of the world. You see, first we must understand that Israel is without excuse. Israel is without excuse. Their response of rejection uh, is not warranted, because they are without excuse. 
And the question is, has Israel ever really heard? Have they really heard? Just as in Romans 1, yes, the whole world has heard. And Paul quotes from David's psalm, Psalm 19. Turn back to Psalm 19 for just a moment. Psalm 19, if you are not familiar with this psalm, write it down and be familiar with this psalm. It is a beautiful psalm of the Lord's glory being revealed. Psalm 19. And in Psalm 19, we recognize a couple things. First, he's quoting from verse 4. It says, Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun. In other words, Paul is quoting from this passage, and he is saying, Everyone, without fail, is without excuse. But he's specifically referring again to Israel. But what is it that is telling? What is the line going out? Verse, chapter 19, verse 1 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. You see, Israel is without excuse because, like the whole world, they know that God exists because the heavens declare His glory. Why else do you think that evolution is such an issue in our schools today? They know it. They know that there's something wrong. In the first verse and in the fourth, which Paul quotes, no one can say that they do not know that He is God. Now, Paul is not saying that this is enough for faith in Christ, but rather that it is the foundation for the special revelation of God, which they more than had. And that is what we are going to look at next. Go back to Romans. Romans 6. And we look at Israel's jealousy. Verse 19. But I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation. By a nation without understanding will I anger you. Paul quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 32. And in quoting Moses' song, as Moses is preparing to die, and he's preparing to send the people of Israel into the land which the Lord had called them to go to. And as he is doing so, the second question Paul pulls from that song. The second question is a little more specific. The first question is, has Israel ever really heard? The second question is, uh, what or really, the first question is, has the world ever really heard? The second question is, has Israel ever heard? What did the people of Israel know? What did they know? Did they understand the message of the Messiah? That's the second question. And really, this is a question of responsibility. Did they comprehend the message? And Paul uses an interesting passage to reveal that they had. Going back to the Deuteronomy 32 In this song of Moses, right before the people enter into the promised land, a promise is made through Moses to the people. And it is the promise that Paul quotes. I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation. I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation. And this leads, the best way to understand this is a personal question. Are you jealous over that which you do not desire and know nothing about? No. You don't know anything about it? You're not jealous. Say a brand new car comes out on the line, for those of us men who like cars. A brand new car comes out on the line. 
and you've never heard about it. And your friend comes up and says, have you seen the brand new whatever? And you go, no, I never have. All of a sudden he says, you know what, I bought one. And it's going to arrive. I bought it from the factory. It's going to be here next week. All of a sudden, what? You want it. You've never even heard of the car. And yet the moment you hear, you want it. So as we think about that in the personal life, consider what Paul just said. God is revealing to Israel their jealousy, even from Deuteronomy, when a nation had not yet rejected The nation was saying, along with Moses, yes, we're going to go into land, we're going to obey the laws, and God says, no, you're not. And Israel says, yes, we are, we're going to to do everything, we're going to follow the Lord, they're zealous, and they go into the land, and they immediately disobey God. And God says, before they go into the land, I'm going to make you jealous by a people that's not even a nation. You're going to be jealous of them. And notice what he says also at the end of that quote, He says this, by a nation without understanding will I anger you. He says there's a nation out there who are a group of people who's not even a nation. They're going to make you jealous and by them you're going to be angry. Because they're going to have something that you want. But you don't know how to get it. God is revealing Israel's jealousy even in our day and age today. We see it. And this is similar to the promise that was made through Hosea that Paul quoted in chapter 9 of Romans. This is similar in that the people of Israel are going to jealously desire what is not theirs at the present time because God has removed it from them. By a nation without understanding will I anger you. You see, because Israel had known what God required of them, because of the Mosaic Law, And because they had disobeyed the gospel, it has now been made available to we Gentiles, who are not one nation, but are many nations, who did not have the understanding that the nation of Israel had, but were made to respond in obedience to make jealous the people of Israel. Do you know why the gospel came to the Gentile? Because we were to make Israel jealous. Because it is only through that that the sinful heart of Israel will say there must be something there. I want that. They had everything else. They they desired none of it. And instead they rebelled against God. All of a sudden the Gentiles have it and guess what they want? They want the gospel. But along with Israel's jealousy, we also have Israel's rejection. Verse 20. And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. You see, Paul continues understand, causing us to understand the reality. And he goes to Isaiah chapter 65. So turn back to Isaiah 65. By the way, as you're turning to Isaiah 65, I want to make clear that you can use one Old Testament book and share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And that is the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is very clear in sharing the gospel message, even uh, long before Christ had come. But Isaiah chapter 65, verse 1, and we're going to keep your finger here because we're going to come back 
in just a moment as well. But Isaiah 65 verse 1 says, I permit myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here am I. And the one speaking in this passage is Christ. And Christ is calling to the nations. And He has made Himself available to the nations because the people of Israel have rejected Him. And yet this is hundreds of years before Christ. And yet, Paul gets direct as he uses, by his own admission, a bold statement coming from Isaiah, written by Isaiah, spoken from the Lord. This passage in Isaiah is one of the great messianic passages in this incredible book of Isaiah. Just one of many. Because of Israel's consistent rebellion, Christ, the coming Messiah, would be found by those who did not seek Him. Remember how Paul started the chapter? In Romans 10, verse 2, he says, I testify concerning the zeal of the people of Israel. But the Lord, in keeping His word with Abraham, blessed all the nations of the earth by being found by the nations that did not seek Him. Because while Israel had zeal, they weren't seeking Him. They rejected Him. So they were zealous. They wanted to do what the book said, but they didn't want to do what the book said. They wanted to rewrite it. They said, yes, we follow the Old Testament. Yes, we follow the the Torah. We follow the law. But in their zeal, they abandoned God. And God said, because of that, I have made myself available to those who did not even look for me. And I called to them. The Lord, in keeping His word with Abraham, blessed all the nations of the earth, even in the midst of Israel's disobedience. But, go back to Romans for just a moment. Verse 21. It says, but as for Israel, he says, all the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Now go back to Isaiah chapter 65. Because that is what Paul is quoting. He quoted the first verse, and then he pulls us back in and he quotes the second verse. He says this, I have spread, Isaiah 65 verse 2, I have spread out my hands all day long to rebellious people who walk in the way which is not good, following their own thoughts. Paul is still quoting from Isaiah 65, where the Lord pronounces incredible mercy even as He prepares to announce incredible judgment. The Lord says, I've stretched out my hands to an obstinate and rebellious people. And since they have not responded to me, I have gone to those who did not seek me, who did not pursue me, and I called them. By the end of the chapter in Isaiah, the Lord will have moved through incredible judgment that has already taken place. By the time He is finished with the chapter, He will move back to incredible blessing that has not yet taken place. So in the midst of announcing that He's going to turn to the Gentiles, He says, I'm coming back to you, Israel. I'm coming back to you and you will again return to me. He still upholds His incredible promises made to Israel. In the face of Israel's disobedience, the Lord has held His hands outstretched and waiting. 
and they rejected him. But we see God's unswerving love. God's unswerving love for people who have abandoned him. Next week, we begin the final chapter of Israelology. And I do not know about you, but I feel a great privilege in seeing the plan of God worked out not only for us, but also for his special people. When we consider the reality of what Paul has just done for us, we consider that Paul has moved us through the history of Israel, reminding Israel of their disobedience, and reminding the Gentile that it was only by his choice that you and I were grafted in. He's going to summarize it in the next chapter. And he's going to warn us in the next chapter. Because the warning to you and I is just like the native branch can be cut off and removed, so can the grafted branch. And you and I who are Gentiles have been grafted in. Unfortunately, the Gentiles will not heed that word. I had uh, speakers say just recently, uh, which I was in his hearing, who said that every dispensation has ended in wrath. The age of the Gentiles will end in wrath because the Gentile church will not heed the words of Christ. But when it does, God is going to bring about the time of Israel again because He promised to Abraham because He promised to Moses, because He promised to David, because He promised to Solomon, because He promised to Jeremiah that He would. And in doing so, we recognize that God is faithful to His promises. So when Paul says that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, in Romans chapter 8, he means it. Because Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 prove it. And God is not done yet with Israel. I don't know about you, but I feel an incredible privilege to be seeing the plan of God worked out not only for us, but for His special people. It strengthens my faith, knowing that even if I abandon the Lord, He will never abandon me. But it also gives tremendous understanding, knowing that God will keep His promises. He has made those promises in the demonstration of His sovereignty that is perfect, holy, and just. And he will do what he says he will do. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, as we have moved through some history lessons today, I pray that as a people of, of the Gentiles, that we would recognize that the gospel message needs to go to your people Israel. And we recognize that because of the history of Israel. We recognize that because of what you have promised to do. But in the midst of that, we find tremendous blessing and promise that you are not yet done that you will restore Israel. And that because of that, in this time of the Gentiles, we will not be silent. I pray that none of us would be satisfied with uh, believing that we are sharing the gospel when we just act like Christians. We never say anything. Lord, cause us to speak. Cause us to be the voice of the message of Christ. Cause us to be those that would be willing to share the gospel, not just here in Goodland, but around the world, and especially to your people, Israel. Because we know that when the salvation of the Israelites come, your millennial kingdom will be established. Not that we can usher that in, but that we have a, a fundamental role in being the messengers who will bring the good news of good things 
and tell Zion, your God reigns. Lord, we praise you for this special privilege as Gentiles because we are a people without a nation and we are a people to make Israel jealous. And as such, I pray that we would do our task, we would share the gospel, that we would not turn our back on Israel, that we would not be as those in other realms of Christianity who have done so violently even. I pray that we would join in those ministries and in those works that are sharing the gospel message with the Jews. We recognize we don't have to go far to do so, but I pray that it would be our heart's desire. And I pray that we would start now on the Gentiles sharing the gospel and being the reality to the truth that the time of the Gentiles is now. And may they come to know you as Savior. Lord, we love you and thank you for all of these things. It's difficult for us to wrap our minds around us, but I pray that you would give it understanding and that we'd be able to apply it to our hearts and to our lives. Again, we love you and thank you for it. In your son's name we pray. Amen.